When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. The Dominator's back, folks. Your host, Billy Musio, here with the Podfather, a.k.a. Matt Kelly. And we are going to be diving into some FFPC boards today. We're going to be reviewing the late round gems. We're talking about rounds 10 through 20. We're going to discuss the upside that these players possess. And we're going to be doing a segment called On the Clock. It will be an On the Clock special. We'll go through each round. I'm going to say we are on the clock. Our discussions are player X, player Y, and we're going to hash it out and see why we would choose those players. Matt, how are you doing tonight? No player Z. No player Z. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Only dichotomies. You know, <laughs> we we had a whole segment on the Sonic Truth years ago with Nate Liss called Contrived Dichotomies, where we just grabbed two players for Dynasty and said, hey, do you prefer... Uh, Will Fuller, or do you prefer uh, Tyreek Hill, right? And if you chose Tyreek Hill, you chose wisely. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I love it. I'll Anytime that we can create a segment or an entire show, in this case, around just two players and debating two players and looking at two players, and this is not actually contrived. This is the opposite of contrived. This is logical real life decisions you have to make in particular rounds in round 18 and round 16, you have a receiver who's gross against another receiver. Who's really gross. I mean, sometimes the really gross fine gross is actually the guy you want. What do you mean? Define gross. Devonte Parker's gross. Miko Hardman's gross. I'm guessing we're talking about those guys. Ooh, a little tease there. A little tease. I'm guessing. I'm guessing <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, Isaiah Hodgins. Right, that's a guy. I'm guessing this is just me. I haven't looked at the show sheet yet. I'm going to do all this off the, the, the cuff. Right, improvised show. Let's go before we before we hop in. Let's get a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. 
Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool and their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One take. One take. That was that's, one take. That's pretty good. That was that's pretty actually, good. That's really good after one take. Yeah. I, the whole time I'm looking at it going, where did where, where were the edits? Where were the cuts? And then I was like, oh yeah, that one I had one take. <laughs> I was like, I did my Amon Ross St. Brown video and I, I almost made it to the very end mm. on the first take and, and I had to edit slightly. I was, I, I stumbled on some few, a few words towards the end and I was like, man, I was this close. <laughs> some of these like TikToks where they have to be like 25 seconds. I'll come so close on the first take and then I'll implode for like five straight takes and then whatever it is, take seven, take eight. I finally get it back together. But if I come within a, a, a you know, a, that final inch of the perfect take and I, I just you know, stumble on the last sentence, mm-hmm. oh, man, I can't just it, the next take is always a complete disaster. Drives you nuts, doesn't it? No, it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's, it's all in your head. Uh, but hey, we're, we're at the end of drafts. We're drafting players in round 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. We agree about a lot of players, but I, I have a feeling there's going to be some disagreements here. There are going to be some disagreements. So you like a lot of players that are grosser than gross that I can't <laughs> quite get behind. So I'm, I'm interested to see where, because I don't know. I, I've started to peak. Now I'm have the show sheet up. You know, spoiler alert. Full disclosure. And I'm starting to peek at some of these dichotomies and I'm like, oh boy, that one, mm, I know. Mm, well, I don't want to even talk about those two players, but I have this sense that Billy's going to go grosser than me. Could definitely go grosser than you. I got, I got, some, oh my God, I clicked the wrong button. I got some co- cojones when it comes to draft boards. Um, speaking of, this was the draft board we did just the other day. I'm drafting to the 12 spot. And so you're on the clock, Matt, right now. The option here is Damian Harris versus Devon A-Chain. A battle of running backs with differing skill sets, but both carrying immense potential to surprise fantasy owners. Who are you going? Okay, you're team three here. I'm team 12. That wasn't actually the, I don't think we actually had this choice. We were sniped. But on average, these these economies here. Well, the reason I chose three is because it says Billy. 
No, there's another guy who's Billy M on FFPC. I know. I was I, I saw Billy. I just I'm I, eyeballing it. There's actually a guy. His, his his username is Billy M, and I always get asked if I'm in a draft room, and it's not me. <laughs> yeah. We're team twelve, bluffing rivers. Yeah, bluffing rivers. Who who's your co-manager in that? Co-manager is Dave Hubbard. We oh. we do we do a lot of drafts together. Dave, um, legend, legend, yeah, legend. And um, would you say my... that Dave is a bigger legend than you? Oh, absolutely. I'm like, yeah. I'm like a uh, like he's the sensei, and I'm like just I'm just like he's Mr. Miyagi, and I'm I'm coming in learning learning the ropes, and he's teaching me the the ways of Mr. Miyagi. I mean, Dave is is in my opinion one of the best high stakes players of all time. And, yep. and, and will be for, you know, forever. And in, in just in my opinion, I mean, he's, he's a legend. And so, and you're my sensei. So on this show, this <laughs> is what this show is. So everybody understands this show, this show, I like to come in unprepared, wide eyed, bright eyed, really just ready to learn and just soak it in. So this is basically, this is the, the one show I do where I'm just trying to drive the show in a direction and I'm here to get the most out of you. I'm here to help coax the maximum amount of information out of you because on this show, you are the star. You are really what the listeners need and want to know. And the fact that what your relationship is to me, it's it's that with, with Dave Hubbard and you where Dave Hubbard is the master. He is the master. Well, we were in the 12 hole here uh, normally, we have the option of either selecting Devon A. Chain or Damian Harris. Uh, in in this draft, if we had the option, we would have continued to go Damian Harris. So on the clock, I choose Damian Harris, not just for this stack, but also love the upside that Damian Harris possesses. I mean, we've seen him have a 15 total touchdown season in 2021 when he's with New England Patriots. He joins the Buffalo Bills, who he has a history of scoring touchdowns against. And I think that they have been missing this, you know, two down back, goal line back, somebody that they're going to be able to help alleviate in this, you know, balanced attack in this offense. I'd like the upside of Damian Harris this year. I think he has a real chance of going over a thousand rushing yards, a real chance at seeing double digit touchdowns. Now, it's not what I'm actually projecting for, but when we look at these players and we have to consider contingent upside. And I think the contingent upside of Damian Harris is something that cannot be ignored because of the offense that he is in and because of the the game scripts we're going to see, because of the amount of red zone touches we're going to see. You're on the clock. Who are you selecting, Damian Harris or Devon A. Chen? Damian Harris. Damian Harris. But this is is not typical because I'm not a Devon A. Chen guy. I don't have hardly any Devon A. Chen in Dynasty. I think I did get... A chain in one league just because he slipped into the mid second round. And, uh, you know, others were drafting, you know, Charbonnets and I was super strong at receiver. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a little bit of a chain here. But generally speaking, I'm not an A chain tout. And this particular dichotomy is why you're the master. This is why you're the master because no one likes Damian Harris. Not even Bills fans. No one's excited about it. He was on the Patriots. Why would we be excited about this guy? This guy is a plotter. He's just a short yardage back. But actually, if you take a step back, he's 26 years old. He's been lightly used throughout his career. right? He maxed out at 202 rush attempts. And before that, 137 rush attempts. And then the year before that, four rush attempts. So 
in his career, he has less than 500 total rush attempts. And yes, he's had some knee strains and knee sprains like most running backs. So he's not dust. He's not a plotter. He had a 123.4, 76 percentile burst score coming out of college. He has some getty up. He has the requisite size and he's on the right team. Whereas A-Chain is undersized. He is going to be a rotational back, especially as a rookie. Again, as a rookie drafted in the same round, almost the same exact draft slot. Late third round, A-Chain. Late third round, Damian Harris. Harris got four rush attempts because the life of a rookie running back is difficult. Most of them do not break out right away and put up 10 touchdowns like Antonio Gibson. So Damian Harris is in an even better offense. And this is the, the, the contingent upside is, okay, the running backs in that backfield get hurt and he stays healthy. There's more contingent upside, which is the team decides that they're going to try to preserve Josh Allen after he was banged up last year and they run Josh Allen less inside the five. That's going to happen eventually in Buffalo. It could start this year. So there's a number of contingent upside rip cords where you take a step back and you go, okay, my base projection has this guy with more fantasy points and my upside projection has this guy with more fantasy points, but he's not the guy everyone's talking about because he's not a, a rookie that runs not a shiny toy. Yeah. Got to, I mean, everyone's focusing now on shiny toys and rookies. A chain's ADP is definitely dropping with the Dalvin Cook rumors swirling. Because uh, I think if if we knew that Dalvin Cook was not going to go to Miami today, uh, A chain climbed back to the eighth and seventh round where he was going prior to that news. And so I have been taking some chances on A chain with a discount in hopes, or I should say, possibility that Dalvin Cook does not land there, and then you you get this this two or three round discount on him from where he was going about a month ago. Um, but a chains, I mean, I, I, this is something that I like to kind of rotate in because one, they have each other in the shootout schedule. Um, and so you, that's something you always got to consider. Buffalo's shootout schedule here is playing Dallas in week 15. Um, they got, oh, they don't have each other in the shootout schedule. Who, I, I forgot who that was then. So but Dallas Chargers, New England is who Buffalo has in the shootout schedule. Who was Miami? Who was I getting them confused with? Baltimore. Okay, Baltimore is who they're, they're facing in the 17. This is great content, Billy. Great content. I'm messing up on the clock. Yeah, on the clock. I just ruined my stack. No, it's just... <laughs> but I, I definitely like mixing in A-Chain because... Where did I get the schedule wrong talk? <laughs> I like the upside of A-Chain still because of the speed, right? So it's somebody I'm still mixing in because... We love what he can possibly do inside of this offense for Miami. They have Tyreek Hill. They have Waddle. Field's going to be stretched. A-Chain has a prolific pass-catching ability, 93rd percentile college target share, comes in with 4.32 speed. So I get the upside with A-Chain as well. And the downside is he gets hurt right away because his body's not used to this particular level of football and that kind of punishment at such a small size on a team that runs the stretch zone system as they did, you know, bringing that system in from San Francisco, which has the highest rate of running back knee injuries in the NFL. Because what they ask those running backs to do is get to the edge, put their foot in the ground, and just trust the offensive line. Get upfield, 
and trust the trust that 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 hole is going to open up and stretch out at that last minute and guys can come in from the side and 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 take your knees out more frequently than with other running back uh run game schemes so speaking of that's one of those running backs where if i had to guess a running back that's probably going to go down just because of a confluence of factors it would be devon a chain very possible yeah oompa loompas running the ball down the field have a very high potential of risk inside the nfl uh nonetheless next on the clock segment round 11 you're on the clock jamal williams and Khalil Herbert are staring you in the face. Two running backs who could become valuable assets in their respective backfields, each with their unique path to fantasy relevance. Who are you selecting? <laughs> the sigh of hesitation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, Jamal Williams is grosser, but I think he's the move, isn't he? Because this one, is it, isn't he going to be potentially the guy at, at, in the red zone for the whole season? Like, I don't know when Kendra Miller is going to get rolled out, whereas I'm pretty confident that Roshan Johnson is going to subvert Khalil Herbert right away. New Orleans brought in Jamal Williams because they like him. They signed him. Khalil Herbert's a guy that the Bears drafted in the sixth round, and they decided to replace him in the, in the fourth round this past year. So even though Khalil Herbert has a sexier skill set, he's more athletic, right? He's mm-hmm. better in the passing game. Think about the organizational investment and the organizational signaling around these players. The Bears have signaled almost nothing around Herbert. Actually, they've signaled that they they didn't have as much faith as people wanted him to have by being so excited. The big high fives in the war room when they drafted Roshan Johnson, whereas Jamal Williams is now on a team where we don't know if Alvin Kamara, how many games he's going to play. And it, that offense will will not have the Justin Fields factor in the red zone either. When you have a pocket passer, that that means that they're going to funnel red zone touches probably to Jamal Williams. With when they when Kendra Miller gets in there, it's going to be between the twenties, you know, every other drive or every second drive, it'll be Kendra Miller. But I believe that inside the 10, it's going to be Jamal Williams. So Jamal Williams is interesting because you mentioned the possible suspension for Alvin Kamara. And this is when we go back and talk about contingent upside, right? Because if we knew today Alvin Kamara was suspended six games, where's Jamal Williams go, do you think? Round seven, eight? It just depends on how people feel about Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller is, he's a, again, a third round pick, very similar sort of reason to be hesitant in year one that we talked about with Devon H. I think Kendra Miller is a better running back. I think he's has more upside of the NFL longer term because he's big and fast as opposed to just being fast. And so I like Kendra Miller more as a player in a vacuum, but it's a rookie. It's a shiny object. Now, do and you think Kendra is going to be ready in time? I mean, I know he's coming off that meniscus injury still. Well, and that's the other problem, right? Is that he hasn't been healthy in months. Yeah. He, he wasn't able to really participate in the pre-draft process much at all. Or the national championship. Right. Or, you know, he hasn't been uh, fully up to speed for, at camp, has he? No. No, they're easing him into things. Yeah. So they've been easing him in the whole time. This screams that he could be a game day inactive. You understand yeah. that? Yeah, he absolutely. could be a game day inactive. I hate this, dude. I hate this. I hate this. I hate knowing this. 
I hate having all this experience. I hate it so much. If I could go back, you know, eight years when player profiler was just a nascent site, and I was so excited about every rookie with speed and and, and size, and and only to be disappointed more often than not because of these factors. Because okay, this player has never faced NFL competition week in week out, and eventually wears down. Or hey, this this player actually wasn't ready, and he was a game day inactive. And you're like, how is this possible? It's like, hey, this is the league. This is the league where Jamal Williams is ready to play today. They start tomorrow. Jamal Williams is in there, and he's getting the ball at the four-yard line. Yeah, the Jamal Williams is – this one's tricky because we also have Taysom Hill, who's still going to be very active at the goal line. Um, we've mm. seen his packages at times. And so <laughs> when I say at times, very frequently um, – but Jamal Williams just came off a 17 total touchdown season with the Lions. And so back to contingent upside, Alvin Kamara, let's just say, I'm, a, I'm projecting a six-game suspension. And so at this point, this is where it starts to get gross because Alvin Kamara, even at six games, probably still sees 33 to 35% of the team's total rush share for the season. Jamal Williams probably sees 35 to 40% of the team's total rush share for the season. Kendra Miller, depending upon health, probably sees... 12 to 18 percent of the rush share for the entire season. Taysom Hill probably sees 12 percent of the rush share for the entire season. And so, not only do we have a potential three headed monster with Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara at times, but we also have to consider Taysom Hill in this backfield who has shown to be very successful in the red zone. And so, I'd lean Jamal Williams in this instance just because of the touchdown upside, just because Kendra Miller might take some time to get to speed, might take some time to get you know healthy and in the mix of things. Alvin Kamara probably going to miss some games. Jamal Williams might be heavily leaned on during that time. Jamal Williams also has the ability to catch the ball, but never really heavily used in the passing game. But we know how much Alvin Kamara was. So do we see that part of his game be expanded upon? So these are all you know contingent plays. They're both in four-headed Hydra backfields because guess what? The Bears signed Dante Foreman for the red zone. Guess what? The Bears signed Travis Homer to be a satellite back. They also have Roshan Johnson. And Roshan Johnson is, of all the running backs in both teams, he's the second-best running back. It's Alvin Kamara and it's Roshan Johnson. It's very close between Roshan and Kendra Miller, I think, in a vacuum. I would lean Roshan Johnson, but very close, very close. I want to see Kendra Miller participate in camp in preseason. Maybe I'll change my mind, but for now, with Kendra Miller not healthy, I'm leaning Roshan Johnson as the second best running back overall just in this whole conversation. And so that is it. That is one of the more tenuous situations for a running back. I know he's technically the number one, technically the number one on a team that brought in a veteran back both as a grinder and as a satellite back and then drafted a running back with more draft capital than he has. And he has a Konami quarterback that's going to steal touchdowns inside the the 10 and the five. Cole Herbert's in a terrible situation, but there's just enough sex appeal there as the technical starter where I understand why he's being drafted, where he's being drafted. There seems to be upside there, but I don't see it. What's the contingency? He's got to have multiple injuries in that backfield. 
to realize that the, you also the, have Justin Fields to consider as well. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the contingent upside for Khalil Herbert is a stretch. It's a little easier to see with Jamal Williams. All all we need is a, a, a Camara suspension that's longer than we thought or Kendra Miller isn't ready in time. And then it, we're, we're, it's it's wheels up, especially in the red zone. What, Next, what else do you want at this ADP? You just want touchdowns, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, or spike weeks. I mean, you that's the thing. Kula Herbert, you could get spike weeks, though, right? Because the 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 running lanes that are going to be created by Justin Fields and his ability to run the ball creates extra running lanes for the running backs. And so I get the upside of Kula Herbert, but I still think I'd like Jamal Williams. Kind of safety, yet also can, has the upside. So I lean Jamal Williams here. We see in this draft, they went, you know, 10, seven, and was that 10, 10, nine. Um, we have you know, more analysts at player profiles than anywhere else that are bullish on Roshan Johnson. And part of that knowledge that Roshan Johnson is hashtag good at football, you can leverage it in a lot of different ways. You can not overdraft Khalil Herbert. You can not overdraft Dante Foreman. Right. So there's just a lot of things you can do, not just drafting Roshan Johnson, which you should be doing in all formats, but also not drafting some of these other running backs because the fantasy public, especially once we get into August, they're going to have no idea what they're dealing with or what they have in Roshan Johnson. So there's going to be an overdrafting of Herbert and a value on Johnson, especially once we get to August, because in dynasty season, you know, you, you have a lot of appreciation for people that have. They, they follow analysts that go to the senior bowl. They understand how good Roshan Johnson was, you know, because he was competing against one of the, the best running backs to come out in years. So because of the teammate score, like we had like the metric on, on the breakout finder app, teammate score, very interesting. Uh, some of these running backs, that appreciation for Roshan, I think is only going to go down in the next you know month. And then, the, the only fear is, and this is a real fear, and I have this fear with other players we'll talk about, is preseason performances let, you know, let the secret out. That's the danger with, with Roshan. That he's going to play in preseason. He's going to look great. Just letting everybody know. Next segment, round 13. You're on the clock. You're staring at Darnell Mooney and Tyler Boyd. In this particular draft, Boyd went a little earlier. And Mooney went a little later, but this is a typical scenario that we see at FFPC. These two are consistently going in round 13. We have two wide receivers who possess the ability to make a significant impact on their team and in the fantasy world, but very different circumstances surrounding their roles and opportunities. Who are you selecting Darnell Mooney or Tyler Boyd and why oh, Mooney? Oh, I skipped around. Gosh, darn it. What happened? Dude, we you're a mess today. What's, I'm a what's mess going today. on with you? I played golf this morning. I was in the sun all day. You gotta give me a break here. Round 12. Ron, we'll come back to round 13. Ron Let's Del just Moore. do this one. Okay. Let's just do this one. No, we're already there. No, one of the rules of podcasting is that you just gotta roll with it. You can't, you, you, you can't, you can't block yourself, right? You're, the self-blocking that you're doing is unnecessary. Just all you needed to do just so just just for podcasting. Skip it. All no, all you needed to do was just roll on and then go, actually, let's 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 go with a couple players that have it even earlier ADPs. (laughs) And you could have just you could have just finessed it. 
instead oh, of man. stopping the show, <laughs> telling the audience that you, that, you know, that you made a mistake. And I haven't even had a cocktail you, today. You, I have you not had like you don't know what's going on. <laughs> Right, you're you're clearly flailing. It's like no, you don't need to do any of that. You just All right, Moon, Mooney or Boyd? Be cool, brother. Be cool. I like Mooney. I like Mooney a lot. Yeah, Mooney easy, has easy. splash play potential. You know, you know, I like Mooney because of the 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 four four wheels, as opposed to Tyler Boyd, who is the quintessential possession receiver, but he's on the right team, and there's certainly contingent upside there. If you know, I'm not even going to mention, you know, uh, what players that he is also uh, in the receiver room with missing games that could happen though it, i mean any given receiver tandem is going to miss games in a season it happens to every receiver tandem one of them's going to miss a few games and boyd's going to benefit from that through the law of the conservation of targets but he can't do a lot with any given target he can't get downfield with separation he's not a yak monster he's a he's a an adequate third receiver who's a great fit in that offense. I think he's a better functional, actual NFL player than he is a fantasy player. Whereas Mooney, I think is a good fantasy player. And that he does give you the spike weeks with the, the, the deep ball attempts. And, you know, news has, has been surfacing from the beat reporters around the bears that Justin Fields is ready for uh, an unlock as a passer this year. And while I do not listen to everything the beat reporters say, when they're confirming my biases and all my prior assumptions, like the fact that it just makes sense that Justin Fields was a prolific passer at Ohio State, and eventually they would trust him to be that in the NFL. If that happens at all this year, then Mooney will be a smash. And Mooney was, we were getting a discount on Mooney because people weren't, sure if he was going to be ready for camp in time. The word is that he's going to be ready. Uh, we have not seen his ADP correct yet. I think it will eventually correct because this this late in drafts, I mean, there's not a lot of downside in round 13, right? So he came off 2021 with 1,000 yards, 140 targets. Last year, underwhelmed, playing only 12 games with 493 receiving yards and 61 targets. That being said, Boyd has been on a pretty steady decline since 2019 where he peaked out at 147 targets in 2020, 110, 2021, 94. Last year, only 83. So how the hell did you and Dave get him in this draft? Mooney, he just fell. It happens. Sometimes. I mean, how the hell? How does that's, he make it there? That's not that's 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 like where he goes is like middle to end of 13. Pretty consistently right now because tight ends. Every, so this is the thing. It's a best ball draft. Quarterbacks. Everyone's going buku crazy over quarterbacks this year. So like Patrick Mahomes going in round two is it's common. Josh Allen going in round two or three is common. Jalen Hurts going round two or three is common. He was a fourth round pick last year in yeah, fantasy no, fit, football. Fit, yeah, it's been it's crazy. It's crazy if you think and about it. And we knew we knew that they weren't going to throw the ball a lot in Chicago. So that that was always a uh, highly speculative and dubious. ADP, but, but we're this seeing, is the other end of the spectrum. This it is, is the other a, end of the this spectrum. This is an incredible value. That's what I like about Mooney this year. I'm, I was high on him last year, and I was wrong. I thought he was going to be able to capitalize on the opportunity, being one of the only options in the passing game. We just didn't see enough volume. He also got hurt. It was just kind of everything went wrong for Darnell Mooney and the Bears last year for his fantasy production. But we're seeing all these ADPs and all these discounts across the board at all positions 
because quarterbacks are being pushed up. Tight ends are being pushed up at FFPC. So it's pushing running backs and receivers down. And getting Darnell Mooney in round 14 in this draft, on average in round 13, to me, I'm taking him over Boyd. And I know this is a common debate, right? The number three option in a high-volume offense Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati or the number two option in a lower pass rate offense in the Chicago Bears. I like what you said about Fields potentially taking a step forward. I think he does take a step forward. I still don't think that's enough for him to really be a top-end quarterback for an entire season. I do think we see him rush less. They are going to probably throw a little bit more, but how much is more in comparison to what they did last year? Even at a 10% increase in production, we're still talking about bottom three, bottom five, bottom six in the league in pass attempts. Nonetheless, at round 13, yeah. I still like Darnell Mooney's Isn't upside. this a best ball play too? It is. I mean, isn't play. this an old school best ball move where yeah. you know this is a lower volume offense and this guy is not going to be out here getting nine targets a game? We know that. But we're looking for a handful of spike weeks where the cornerback matchup is such or the coaches find something on film that week and he does get the nine to 10 targets or he does, you know, put together, you know, a, a couple deep shots where he, where they connect and he goes well over a hundred yards and maybe scores two touchdowns. Those are the types of outputs you're looking for in best ball. You're not going to get as much without an injury or anything close to that without an injury with Tyler Boyd. So with no injuries, Mooney can give you spike weeks with Boyd. As the third option, yes, there will be an occasional spike week, even with Higgins and, and Chase healthy. But it's it's a it's a much less uh, less probable outcome. You know, Matt, I'd like to talk about two receivers with an earlier ADP. Yeah, this is how you do it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, and by the way, by the way, the okay, can I can we, looking at shiny objects? So real quick, shiny yeah. objects, shiny objects. <laughs> In this draft, Rashi Rice went ahead of Darno Mooney. R- Rashi Rice, who's never taken an NFL snap, and where w- would you take Mooney over Rice? It's that's another you know interesting debate because Kansas City really needs a number two option, potentially a number one receiver if Tony continues to keep getting hurt. But who's going to step forward for Kansas City? Is it going to be Rashi Rice? Is it is it going to be? Um, when I'm blanking on his name right now, the rookie from last year, I'm blanking. Sky Moore. Thank you, Sky Moore. Who's who's next on the on the list here? So Sky Moore versus Rondale. Sky Moore, Moore was a, an actually a more impressive prospect in a couple different ways. Sky Moore was an early declare. Rashi Rice played all four years. They both played at both the, round two picks though. Yeah, yeah. They're both drafted in the second round. They're both playing out there. Uh, you know, uh, not in you know, the the major conference programs and, you know, Rashi Rice was good at the senior bowl, but he wasn't, you know, Jaden Reed level. Like he wasn't the guy that dominated the senior bowl. Like Cooper cup was many years ago, like Debo Samuel. No. Okay. Well, how about we do this? Let's, let's throw a curveball here. Rondell Moore, Sky Moore or Rashi Rice on the clock. Cause all these guys have similar ADPs. Yeah. I just, as 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 much as I am reticent to you know, draft a rookie receiver when I when I, I think there's some similar upside of guys with experience, once a guy gets into his second year, I still zoom out, look back, and go, hey, yeah, okay, he didn't command a ton of targets last year, but 
think about this is a this is a Super Bowl caliber team, right? This is not a team that's going to go out and feature Sky Moore. That's just not <laughs> that's not that's not what any veteran franchise that has a lot at stake with any given game. They're not going to do that. But now he's had a full off season to get acclimated. Juju's gone. Juju gone. And of all the receivers in the NFL, he's getting as much camp hype as anybody. So if, the, if there is a question, okay, who, which receiver is going to step up and take over as the primary option? Why not Sky Moore? He's a, a better prospect. Okay, in a vacuum, you go to the breakout finder, you look at all the different data points, and Sky Moore has a higher breakout rating. So just, just comparing apples to apples, whereas now Rashi Rice has to get acclimated. And we, we have it, it. So I think it's, I think you chase that rainbow with a second year receiver who's getting hype in the best possible situation. Because he didn't command targets last year, it's easy to dismiss that guy. Where I, I I take a step back and we've seen plenty of examples of receivers that were not involved in year one and then in year two they it used to be that like the third year leap was something you expected from receivers now now it's sped up right now they're not they're it's it's not a, a three year cycle any longer now it's like okay you can have a mulligan in year one especially when you see a player getting more snaps in the playoffs, then it's like encouraging, especially when you see some spike snaps, some spike weeks, not necessarily with fantasy points, but just with snap share, where it's like, okay, he was a big part of the game plan this week. And oh, it happened to be in the playoffs. Those things are encouraging to me, whereas you have other second round picks that never fired, uh, like you know Denzel Mims, and they were never involved. And they were never going to be involved. Where you could see the the trajectory for Sky Moore, where he's a lot more involved this year. And then with all the vacated targets, the, the opportunity is so good with the best quarterback in the league. Isn't this the rainbow to chase this receiver in this ADP range? I lean Rondell here just because of the consolidated targets inside of Arizona. We have DeAndre Hopkins who left, who accounted for roughly 23% of the target share. We have Zach Ertz, who's coming off ACL injury, who you know was always seeing in the in somewhere in the teens in target share. It leaves them with Greg Dortch. It leaves them with Marquise Brown, rookie Michael Wilson, Trey McBride. I mean, there's a scenario where Rondell Moore sees twenty percent of the target share. And yes, I know it's kind of ugly at the quarterback situation in Arizona in general, but we have to imagine this team is going to be trailing a lot this season. They have one of the lowest, if not the lowest. Vegas win totals in the entire league. So we could see a lot of garbage time, a lot of stuff drawn up for Rondell Moore. I, I kind of lean Rondell here just because we know they're going to be trailing and we know they're going to be throwing the ball. Okay. I don't know who's throwing the ball right now. It's Listen, probably Colt McCoy, but exactly. Okay. You, I think you enjoy being as gritty and grimy as you are. <laughs> Okay, and I think that it's an identity. I go yin. There's yin and yang here. I think you. I I think identity. But sometimes the gritty, gutsy guy, you have to mix in some moonshots. You can't just be all grit and guts and grime. This is one of those situations where you got to look at it, say, okay, in Cincinnati, Sky Moore, 
57.6% snap share in the playoffs, and he had seven targets, right? And then overall, look at his target rate on player profiler, target rate, targets per route run, 22.1%. That's impressive for a rookie. Mm, Rondell Moore was 22.6. Mm, mm. Right. So you have two guys that are... What, what was Scamore's route participation last year? His route participation was was low. Okay. Okay. That, 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 that was different. Okay. His representation was 23.7%. Don't cherry pick that one. I'm sure. Well, I know that we know his route participation was low because he's a rookie on a Super Bowl caliber team that had a whole bunch of other players that they were featuring depending on the matchup and the game plan. But now he is a mature veteran receiver. And it's it, and I believe he's going to step up and do some of the things he did. We've seen what he did. We like to zoom out. What did he do at Western Michigan? 45% dominator rating. That's 91st percentile with that speed. And he has the, the workout metrics are interesting in that he's super fast, but the burst and the agility aren't necessarily there. But that's why he's also comparable to Golden Tate. And Stefan Diggs have workout metrics shapes like sky more and he's 510 191 so he is stout for a smaller receiver whereas rondale moore he's you know, five Ant-Man. six where sky moore is 510 so i know there's similarities here but the upside in the arizona offense and you know michael wilson is going to be a real threat right greg dorch is going to be getting a lot of snaps there's going to be a lot of Greg Dortch out there, way more Greg Dortch than anyone wants to see. I'm just preparing everyone for that. That's going to happen. Dortch was pretty good last year. So th- this is, I like Rondale Moore, and I like knowing that there's going to be a, a lot of negative game script for a receiver. I've been, and, and I've never been a, a Marquise Brown fan. I've been much more of a Rondale Moore truther. And I understand where you're coming from, where you're running the projections. And Rondale Moore technically has more fantasy points. But when you talk about the contingent upside of if he just takes a step forward and gains the trust of the team and the coaches and Patrick Mahomes, that's a whole that's that's actually not contingent upside. That's just straight up motherfucking upside, dude. It is upside. So Matt is going Sky Moore. I am going Rondell Moore. In this You're not scenario. convinced? I'm not convinced. Oh I'm not my convinced. God. I'm still going Rondell Moore here. I will oh. I will mix in Sky Moore, but I will lean Rondell in this scenario. All right. We we waited at quarterback in this build, hypothetical build. Bryce Young versus Brock Purdy. You're on the clock. It's round 14. It's a quarterback duel between two promising talents who could surprise fantasy managers with their performance. Which way are you leaning? Hmm. Brock Purdy, <laughs> next segment. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I don't love Brock Purdy. I don't love Brock Purdy. I really don't. I do not. I do not. I do not. But I also don't love overrated rookie quarterbacks like Bryce Young that have landed in situations where they don't have a number one and they don't even necessarily have a number two. It just depends on how much fast twitch muscle fiber that Adam Thielen has left. And it's how can not you not much. love big cock Brock? No, no, I, I, I'm just saying this is a process of elimination pick. And if I have to pick between these two guys, one guy did it. One guy has 
incredible weapons, the best in the league to pass to. The other guy has never done anything. He just has the Alabama helmet in his background. And that's it. So to me, it's an easy, straightforward decision, but it's not one that I'm jumping to make. So you're saying it's Brock Purdy? Of course it's Brock Purdy. It's easily Brock Purdy. You you think, well, in this draft, what happened? In this draft, I'm looking there. Let's see. Where's Purdy went in round 16 in this draft? Brock Purdy there. Yeah. Oh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Whoa. Bryce Young went two rounds earlier. Yeah. But we st- we're seeing this is this draft is this draft for me, I think, is number 10. So that was seven days ago because I draft every single day. And so uh, and we're starting to see that gap close slightly because the news on Purdy is that he's going to be ready week one. And so his news with that and he immediately jumped up two rounds. Uh, poor Trey Lance, man. <laughs> this poor guy. Poor guy. He had the injury, you know, he changed his mechanics. This is how people wonder, you know, remember the the, the Tom Brady documentary and they go through all those quarterbacks that busted ahead of him. Mm -hmm. Right. All those quarterbacks. Like there's just reasons why. And they, all these guys, they're talking about, Hey, why I busted, why, why, why this happened. Right. And then you can watch other documentaries where they'll talk to Rick Meyer. Right. Like why Rick? Why, why didn't it? He's like, well, there was this and there was a coaching change. And then I had this injury and then this and then that. And and then it was cascading. And the next thing I know, I'm out of the league. Well, the raw talent for Trey Lance is beyond dispute. And it might not matter. I love the fact that we got the line big cock Brock. And then you got the word busted in the same like paragraph here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Round 15. You're on the clock. You're staring at Rashid Shahid and Van Jefferson. Oh, by the way, Billy, you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. Your Yo, mic's a little hot today. Is it? Yeah, it's a little hot. Oh, my God. It's a little hot. You know, is that so, better right there? I don't know. It's fine. I'm just saying. You're just, it's one of those days. You're having one of those days, and I'm I just thought we'd days. lead into it. And this is me. This is me <laughs> doing the thing you're not supposed to do. No one would have mentioned it. No one would have noticed. I'm an audiophile, so I've noticed. But now I'm just like, you know what? Let's lean into this. Billy's having a bad. I'm having a rough day, day today. It's he's having a, he's on a rough podcast day. So Rashid Cheat versus Van Jefferson. I'm a Van Jefferson guy. Like I'm, I'm uh, that Van oh, Jefferson is uh, is is a, a nice combination of a, a player with size, route running capability, and speed. And I like that. And I like the fact that he's going to be the number two on a team that's going to have to throw the ball this year. And he's been completely overlooked because everyone's just done with him. They're past him. Shahid is interesting. He's sexy. He's really, if if Michael Thomas doesn't play all 17 games as if that's a quit. That's if. You mean win Michael Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't play like, yeah. In the, in the, in the, you know, the off chance, Billy, in the, in the, in the crazy <laughs> scenario where Michael Thomas doesn't play 17 games, then it, Shahid's injured. I am I'm also going Van Jefferson because I am just leaning into being late on Shahid and I'm sorry. Like I am sorry to everyone. I did not appreciate Rashid Shahid. He was undrafted. He didn't work out. He underwhelmed in college as a receiver. 
But one of those years was, uh, you know, he played only six games because of the, the COVID year. But then in these other years, he's putting up 18 yards of reception. He's at oh. Weber State. And you go all the way back. You turn the clock all the way back. And, and the breakout finder loves this. 863 yards on special teams as a true freshman. And in that year, he caught 41 passes. Freshman year production has been shown to be predictive of wide receiver breakouts. So this and, and Van Jefferson, he couldn't get any any traction as a freshman because he was at Old Miss competing with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. So there's a reason why he had to transfer to Florida in lost years. I did not fully appreciate Rashid Shahid. If Shahid had just run a four, three, five, I can promise you I would have been on him. I would have been on him just like I'm on Calvin Austin still I'm a tr- truther. But uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. And so I, sometimes when you're embarrassed that you didn't see something earlier, you're even slower to adjust just because you're shell shocked. And I'm a little bit shell shocked with Shahid. Yeah. I think Shahid has the most contingent upside, right? And we, we, we think about the injury potential with Michael Thomas, right? I would, I would take the under on a full season. Well, doesn't Olave already have an injury concern? Isn't, they, doesn't he have like a tendonitis, a tendonitis in, the, in his Achilles? Achilles? Yeah, they're saying he's going to be fine. A couple of weeks of rest. Um, Dr. Chow saying he's going to be fine as well. So that's at least promising. But nonetheless, it's another contingency piece. We talked about the Alvin Kamara suspension. That's 80 plus targets there that's available. So there's a lot of available targets, even though he's the number three in the passing game could see as much volume yeah. as Van Jefferson. And he, and he has the spike week potential, big time spike week potential. There's that's going to be more volume in this offense than there's going to be in say Chicago. So we could be looking up and he outscores Darnell Mooney. This is one of those things where I just like to split ownership. I don't really have a preference over each other. I'd like both of them. They're both the deep threats on their team. You have to like the fact that Van Jefferson also has Cooper cup to draw double coverage Higby is still going to be running underneath. Uh, Van Jefferson, the only thing for me were drops, right? We've seen him drop a lot of passes um, in his time so far with the Rams. We wonder if it's going to affect playing time, but not a lot of mouths to feed inside of this offense. Yeah, they don't have a choice. They got to play him. Yeah, Tutu Atwell, Ben Skoronek, Puka Nakua are the only other options right now in the passing game. So Van Jefferson has a pretty clear path to success. I mean, 14% target share is what I haven't projected for right now, which is 79 targets, and that's only behind Tyler Higby and Cooper Cup on this offense. It's tactically projected for more targets than Shashid Shahid, and, but I still like the upside of, of Shahid as well. So I split this one. I'm going to cheat and say both. He did lead the league in drops in 2021. It was bad. But he got better last year. The drop rate was cut in half. It's because he only played like half the season, though. No, no, I'm just saying, no, no, the drop rate. Oh, rate, rate. Right, the gotcha. drop rates. We went from 12% to like 6.7% drop rate. 12% is so bad. It's so high. I, it's a crazy percentage. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's such a high percentage because he's, he does not a big target. So for an auxiliary receiver to lead the league in drops is actually hard because there were years where it was Brandon Marshall. And it's just because he's getting so many targets where it, it, it there, they're marginal, right? Like they could have been counted as drops or not because they were, you know, pseudo contested. 
And then a lot of services count those as drops. So I understand what happened with Brandon Marshall and why he led the league in drops. For Van Jefferson to lead the league in drops, you got to drop a lot of like on a, on a rate basis. It's mm-hmm. got to be incredible. So I think he might have just had the yips, and then he's he's getting back on track this year. Or he just sucked. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah, it's possible that he's no good. But I uh, I still prefer the underrated offense with an underrated quarterback, an underrated receiver. Right. There's just a lot of this is the, one of those gritty, grimy situations that I am impressed that you're getting any Van Jefferson. So I Van, love that Van Van, the brick hand man. That's who that's who you're going with. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, I hate it, man. <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate it. Shahida! I actually like this next round better. Round 16, John Mechie versus Isaiah Hodgins, both wide receivers potentially step up in a big way for their teams. Both could potentially be the number one inside the wide receiver core for their teams. Which way are you leaning? On the clock. John Mechie, Isaiah Hodgins. Easy, Mechie. Ooh, I like Mechie too. Yeah, yeah Mechie. Well, it's just, you're just, it's the bet that Mechie's fine. It's yeah. the bet that Mechie took all the right medications and went through all the right procedures. Early round two pick. And killed this cancer fucking dead. And it's over, right? Like just like James Conner, over cancer gone, player hundred percent wheels up. If you didn't know what happened to Mechie last year, and he just missed the whole season because he had a broken arm, where would he go? Probably the same. I mean, he missed the whole season either way, and in either in either you're saying verse what happened actually happened versus a hypothetical broken arm. Yeah, I because think the same. I think he's going later because there's there's uncertainty about long term ramifications. Oh, I see what you're is, saying. Yeah, maybe a couple rounds earlier. And explosiveness. Absolutely. That's it's, part of this. It's still the Texans, but though. In, the, in these rounds, right? They got the Texans have they have their new quarterback, and th- there's a glaring hole and need at number one receiver. It's certainly not Nico Collins. He had plenty of opportunities last year when Brandon Cooks missed games, and he did not step up as many hoped. So just Forget it. Do you do you do you agree with Nico Collins going so many rounds ahead of Mechie? No, I think these two should be closer. Yes, this is, this is something that I've discussed with Dave a lot as well. Like that's why I typically just wait and take Mechie later, you know, or or I'll gamble and even throw in Bob Woods in like round nineteen. Right? I it's, love this draft that you have here because I can see myself drafting a lot of these guys: Jacoby Myers, Lazard, Sky Moore. Of course, we talked about him. He's at Rashi Rice. Does it? There's a, there's, a, there's a time and a place for Jaden Reed as well. Darnell Mooney, we love him. Back-to-back picks here. Nico Collins, Romeo Dobbs, two players I would never draft. <laughs> Dobbs, I, no way. No way, because because Reed's just so much better and ready. He's ready to produce now. So there's I, I just don't see the case for, for Dobbs over, over uh, Reed at all. That doesn't make sense to me. Just, so that's very similar. Like I'm, I'm all in on... Reed over Dobbs, and I'm all in on Mechie over Collins. I'm on board with that. Yeah, I like I like I like Mechie a lot this year. Oh god! All yeah. right, round 17. Ty Chandler versus Pierre Strong, both running backs with unique skill sets, vying for an opportunity to become valuable fantasy assets. Which way are you going? Before we do, can I ask you, Mingo versus Chark, same team? Chark. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 
thank you. They're both second round picks. One guy has a thousand yard season. The other guy's done shit and couldn't separate. I think Mingo is more of a dynasty play or a 2024 play. If you're doing redraft, I think he'll have his chances this year. Bust. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to step up and be an immediate contributor though. Bust. All right. Pierre strong or Ty Chandler. I love both. I, I love both. It's such an interesting depth chart. And you have Madison and Stevenson. Neither one of them there are, are explosive and they're leaving. There's, there's room for other running backs to carve out roles. I know, I, I know that, that Stevenson was a target magnet last year, but strong will have a role, right? Strong will affect his target share this year. It's going to happen. He's still, I mean, a, a total bell cow and a value, but both things can be true. Stevenson can still be a bell cow and a value because he, he has a lot of the, the traits and the metrics that you're looking that you would, assume would be a first round pick and Stevenson's not going close to the first round yet. So I understand that, but I also love Pierre strong, right? Pierre strong is the next Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen was used sparingly as a rookie. And then they decided to unleash him in his second year. And I believe that's what they're going to do with strong. The big difference is when you go down the depth charts, it's, 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 it's a, they're, they're strikingly similar depth charts. We have again, Madison and Stevenson. Then you have Chandler and strong your slasher slash satellite back and then below and then you have more of a of a of a of an explosive grinder behind them in Kevin Harris in New England and Dwayne McBride in Minnesota McBride has a little more juice right now as a rookie than Kevin Harris because Kevin Harris really didn't didn't produce last year at all so i i think i like McBride over Harris but there's such a talent disparity right now, especially in the passing game between Stevenson and Madison, that you got to go Chandler just because I believe that Madison is a much weaker incumbent. Oh, man, this one's tough for me. I think I lean Pierre Strong, but I like them both. So these are two of my most owned running backs across the FFPC best ball tournament. You look at their profiles too, they're so similar. Pierre Strong has a 99th percentile, 40 yard dash, 4.37. So fast. Ty Chandler, 4.38. And you go back to speed score, 95th percentile for Pierre Strong, 93rd percentile for Ty Chandler. You go to their college target share, 6.4% for Ty Chandler, 6.4% for Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong is a better receiver. Yeah, Pierre Strong is a better receiver. Pierre Strong is more explosive to me as well. And I think he's a a little more explosive. He's a little bit better receiver. But he's. You look at what Pierre Strong is drawing dead without an injury where. I'm not sure, Madison. Though. Alexander Madison could just straight up plot along. That's true. Face plant. And you and, and it, you could see Chandler and Dwayne McBride and Dwayne McBride and Dwayne McBride just start to cannibalize touches because the coaching staff knows, hey, this guy's a known quantity. He didn't command any money in free agency. We just brought him back because we could. He can do everything a little bit, right? He's very cardboard cutout backup running back in the league who you can always bring in and he'll give you a 25 fantasy points game here and there just based on volume because he's getting all the touches and he's adequate. Could you see a scenario though? Stevenson with his target share last year has proven. Yeah. 89 targets that he, I mean, it's shocking because 
a guy that's that slow to command that many targets out of the backfield tells you that he has incredibly soft hands. He's got a lot of other traits going for him, spatial awareness, the whole thing, the whole package to be able to command that many targets last year was so impressive. Nobody saw that coming. The question is, will Pierre Strong earn himself more snaps based upon his explosiveness? We saw him take only 10 rushing attempts last year, one to the house on a touchdown, two breakaway runs in that time, 20% breakaway run rate. Unsustainable. Shane He's Shane Vereen, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I, I think there's a scenario which, and I'm starting to look at my projections for Ramondre Stevenson, who I'm high on, and you know I'm high on Ramondre Stevenson. But there's a scenario where Pierre Strong does really eat into that target share and could force himself into a Tony Pollard-esque role before Tony Pollard really broke out. Okay, like, so the problem is that this New England running back target share for Ramadre Stevenson is incredibly fragile based on how much the team decides to use Pierre Strong. We've gone so many years where Patriots running backs were never going before round seven for this exact reason that Belichick prefers the specialized backfield. It could be that they just didn't have anyone that was ready. Pierre Strong coming from South Dakota State, right? Or South Dakota, University of South Dakota, South Dakota State, somewhere in South Dakota. That I know for sure. That just wasn't ready. Like Kevin Harris was missing a bunch of time and was slow to get ramped up because of back injuries he eventually got healthy so you had a a bunch of young backs that just weren't ready and by process of elimination stevenson's getting all the touches especially in the in the passing game which was also due to the injury to ty montgomery now ty montgomery's back and healthy and he's getting some oh he's washed buzz he's getting buzz he's getting buzz this everybody gets buzz in june with montgomery and strong and harris the opportunity share and especially the target share is more fragile. That's why he's not a first round pick. Can right? the question, if it wasn't the, could Patriots, the answer be both? Could you right? have both of these guys be involved in the passing game? Because let me look at the look at the weapons. There's no look one at the there. lack of weapons. That's no one. The thing he's going to catch Parker, passes. Kendrick you know Stevenson's going to catch passes, but he was never known as a as a you know difference making running back out of the backfield his entire career in college and in the pros. So feels more fringy he feels like a fringe bell cow that we're hoping can retain his opportunity share uh then you know a, a bona fide one which again is why he's not going in the first round otherwise he'd be going in the first round you know we're not doing the listeners a lot of help here we're both splitting a lot of these answers so you're taking ty chandler i'm taking pierre strong the people like it. Flip they your coin. Let the listener decide. Flip your coins, folks. Let the listener decide. I think it comes down to the fact that Madison is much more vulnerable than Stevenson. And okay, real quick. Contingent upside only. Ramondre Stevenson goes down. Oh, no. Yeah. Is Pierre Strong a top 20 The, the contingent upside, a lot of it is, is situational, mm-hmm. right? So the contingent upside, the situational contingent upside is better for Ty Chandler because he's on the Vikings and they're going to score a lot more points. Oh, yeah. They're going to score a lot more points. I mean, if he somehow becomes a starting running back for the Vikings, it's it's game on. He's going to be the chalk in DFS. It's going to be crazy, right? It's going to be crazy. Whereas 
if Stevenson they goes still down, have to win. It's going to be all though. these questions about is Harris going to be the the grinder back, and then is Strong just going to be used out of the out of the backfield and more touches for Montgomery? You know how it's going to work. We've been this down this road before. The thing that could happen though in Minnesota is the, the it becomes McBride. It becomes McBride dominating the touches. If McBride because he was viewed as a fourth, fifth rounder that only fell to the seventh round because of knucklehead factors that he failed some interviews. Otherwise, he would have been drafted earlier. The NFL really loves his rushing ability. He was a prolific rusher, prolific tackle breaker. So you could easily, but so was Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris was a very highly regarded yeah. five-star running back prospect who, as long as he has a healthy back, he's better than McBride. So it's a similar situation for both of these guys. All in, right. in, given all that, given all that, what I would what I would say when you're measuring contingent upside is who's better and strong is just better. Strong is he's big enough. He's fast enough where if things break his way, he could absolutely be the lead back and him in a lead back position is sexy. It is sexy. All right. Not so sexy. Round 18 Khalil Shakir versus Paris Campbell, both wide receivers with exciting potential aiming to solidify their roles and provide fantasy production. One could potentially step up to be the two or three in Buffalo. Paris Campbell, we saw his upside last year in Indianapolis, comes on over to New York this year. Which way are you leaning? How could I? Oh, man. I mean, part of part of why I, I wasn't going Hodgins over Mechie was also Paris Campbell, mm-hmm. right? However, Khalil Shakir is... It's a very similar argument that I was making for Sky Moore. And then we have a second round, a second year receiver in a prolific offense on a team that has a huge void at number two receiver. Right. So if we have Kelsey as the number one receiver in Kansas City and Diggs as the number one receiver in Buffalo, there's a wide open opportunity for someone to step up. It's not Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis is one of the worst number two receivers in the league. He's been exposed. Yeah. Teams don't give him any cushion anymore. He can't convert in contested situations. He has a fluke game now and then just because that's what happens when you're in the Josh Allen offense and you're playing 90% of the snaps. You're going to have a game or two. But at least Shakir has speed. At least Shakir can run a 4-4-3. And I don't know whether or not he can actually elevate his game to be a proper number two in the league, but I just know that Gabriel Davis can't do that. And Paris Campbell has been around the league for a while and he did not command any money in free agency. Had Paris Campbell commanded a little more money in free agency, I would have said Campbell, but my suspicion is that the NFL believes that he's toast, that he's dust, that he's just not the same and that he might just be a gadget guy. He might just be essentially like a Mecole Hardman, like a bigger version of Mecole Hardman. And whereas Khalil Shakir has the opportunity and the potential to actually seize a number two job in Buffalo and be competent, Shakir. And I know you're going to go Campbell because this is the, this is the sky more dichotomy all over again. I own a lot of these guys. Again, I, I split these 50 50 because one, I like the talent better in Paris Campbell, but I like the opportunity and the offense better with Khalil Shakir. 
everything you just mentioned is is real with Kalisha Carey. You know, could be the number two in this offense easily. Could step into a, a major role. We saw him down the stretch last year take on a little bit larger of a role. He started actually seeing forty percent of the snaps um, towards the end of the season. Uh, he actually was, you know, seeing some more air yards as well. So we could see that kind of carry over into twenty twenty three. But Paris Campbell is fast as hell still. I, even I, people, I did a post earlier in the year in talking about the NFL speed and iguanas back to the iguana conversation and Paris Campbell was the fastest. He recorded the fastest speed on the field last year in the NFL, even though it was his fourth year in the league. And so he did 22.11 miles an hour. Why? Why did, (laughs) why did he command no money? It's, he hasn't been healthy. The, the NFL has access to all this data. It's so shameful. He played 17 games last year. It's the first time in his career that he's even been over double digits. So rookie year, he played seven games. 2020, he played two games. 2021, he played six games. Okay, the Athletics' Dan Duggan says that uh, Paris Campbell will be a featured piece in this offense. And that's okay, the thing. Okay, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the thing I hate doing. You're I'm going to do the thing I hate. Oh, I'm going to hate myself. I like Paris Campbell in best ball because oh, he, you did it. He's going to be <laughs> he's going to be on the field. The best and, ball cop out. And, the, and, the, and, and, he, and he has the long speed for the spike weeks. But in a seasonal league where I know I can just bench Shakir and I don't have to worry about it, I can just I can just have him as a bench piece. And he's the ultimate handcuff wide receiver where if he does get the starting job, then I'm able to start him every week with confidence where I could never start Paris Campbell with confidence. I, I prefer <laughs> best ball cop out. I prefer Campbell in best ball. <laughs> the best ball cop out, but it's true. Oh, the lamest possible man. I mean, you're having a bad podcast day. I'm having a bad <laughs> analyst day. I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been hyper lame today. <laughs> I clicked the wrong button. My mic's hot. Yeah. I, I skipped a line on the show sheet. Yeah, my, my, my takes have been <laughs> super mild and <laughs> mediocre. Speaking of mediocre, round 19, Devontae Parker or Robert Woods? I think space on the contract, you got to go Parker, right? That's why I put did this was the talk the contract. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's contract. 33 million. I mean, less than half is guaranteed. Can we just leave it at that? Do Anytime really- less than half is guaranteed. You know, it's one of the faker contracts that's ever been signed. And it's possible that they actually did it to save salary cap space in order to pursue Hopkins. It would be the ultimate sort of you know, counterintuitive move that you're like, oh, well, I guess they're not in the Hopkins race. Well, no, actually, they freed up cap space by doing this move. They spread out some of his money so they could actually get Hopkins in the door. That said, it's Parker, because just in, just in case that contract indicates actual faith in him that's all we need because woods is just Toast. i mean i mean he's just dust he's that's the thing he's coming from woods is coming from a place where he already was not athletic he's very similar to tyler boyd right when tyler boyd's this age and he's had some lower body injuries he's, he's not going to have anything left to offer right all the athleticism has been sapped and it's not enough that he has like just enough athleticism to get by. Once you lose that, you're out of the league. So Woods is a much higher likelihood 
of not even finishing this year. Bobby Woods is sawdust. But I mean, I, we've spent Parker's enough time. Horrible. We spent enough time on Devontae Parker and Robert Woods. That's all I that's all I wanted to do. We're, we're done. Let's let's move on around 20. McCole Hardman or Calvin Austin. Two speedy receivers poised for breakout campaigns. Can either deliver big plays for their fantasy managers. We have a theme. We have a theme. Speed. Players that did nothing last year, but had interesting prospect profiles of the players we've talked about. Sky Moore, Khalil Shakir. And Calvin Austin, incredible speed, incredible burst, a sexy downfield separator. They don't have anyone like that on the team. They're going to move Allen Robinson to the slot. Well, they already have Deontay Johnson in the slot there, right? So it doesn't appear that Allen Robinson has a, a, a good place. Like you can't play Allen Robinson at Z. Z receivers need to be fast, right? So because they, they, they run most of the double moves. So I think they're going to see more packages with Calvin Austin than anyone's ready for. It's because it's going to be difficult to figure out places to actually play Allen Robinson. He can't play X, that's Pickens. Can't play Y, that's Johnson, right? So there's going to be some packages where they move Johnson out to Z, and then they, they, they push Robinson in. And then you're going to see Robinson catch some touchdowns in, in those particular packages. But deep balls, it's interesting. Like there, there, there's, there's, there's some upside there. And I, I just think it's what we talked about before, where in a vacuum, I want Pierre Strong. He's just better at football than the other choice, than Ty Chandler. In this situation, we know definitively that Michael Hardman is a gadget player. He runs close to the line of scrimmage. Anytime you have, you run a 4-3-3 and you can't ever command air yards, like I don't think he had any games last year where he had more than 80 air yards. With, no, with Patrick Mahomes, how oh, is that did. possible? He did week one. Whoa. 86 air yards. Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the exception that proves the rule. Thank you, Billy. He had two games at negative air yards. Okay. 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 If you're on a 4-3-3 <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes and you can't have a game with 100 air yards, what are we doing? Right, I can guarantee you getting gadgety. If Calvin, if Calvin Austin were in uh, Kansas City, we'd be excited about him. Calvin Austin. My biggest thing with Calvin Austin is one, the offense. Right, we know that Pickens is is the number two slash three. Fryer Moose probably the two slash three. We have Deontay Johnson, the clear cut one. I know that Allen Robinson isn't much, but he's still gonna at least have at least eight slight role in this offense in the red zone yeah I don't, where does calvin if, austin if come into the mix listen, if i'm an offensive coordinator the calvin austin midget. doesn't play in the red zone he's five eight yeah he's, he's a, a between the 20s receiver that's going to rely on splash plays he's between the legs he's going to run between the legs what he's going to do it's not between the 20s because <laughs> he's short <laughs> got him you got him Bill. between the wickets is what you, you meant got him I go McCole Hardman here pretty easily. Of course uh, you do. Of course you do. I just think he's going to see a larger role. You have the Jets offense is just a little bit more defined. You still have Rodgers. The offense is going to move a little bit better. You have Brees Hall, who's going to be, I think, fairly limited the first couple of weeks. He's ahead of schedule, so my projections keep changing as news keeps coming out. But in that time, we're probably going to see McCole Hardman get gadgety, yes, but he's probably going to be pretty heavily involved on jet sweeps help kind of spread the offense, keep the defense on their toes. 
We know Wilson's the clear cut number one. We, they actually still have Corey Davis on this team, who I don't understand why he's still on this team. It's $10 million cap hit. He should just go away. But in the meantime, he's technically still there. Randall Cobb's on the team. They still, I mean, Randall Cobb is just a friend. He's just there to be a friend. Alan Lazard is on the team, but they don't have anyone with the speed of McCall Hardman who's going to be able to get off the line. They're going to be able to do screen passes. They're talking about trying to unleash more of his route trade. We've seen those comments coming from the team. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain I, comments that I'm buying. Like I'm buying that, that sky Moore is excelling, right? I'm, yeah. I'm buying up much. I'm, I'm buying that uh, Pierre strong is going to have a bigger role this year. I'm buying a lot of things that make sense. Miko Hardman suddenly figuring out how to run routes. Doesn't make sense. Ooh, I think we got, I think we got a beer bet on the line here. Next time we're at the draft, McCall Hardman versus Calvin Austin, total fantasy points. I think that, I I think that I would go Hardman, no doubt, but I think that Austin actually has upside because he can play football if things break his way, but I'm not doing that bet because like his neck, I'm sure that Michael Hardman's base projections probably double Austin. Yeah. I think it's pretty close to double. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I don't. I don't doubt that. But I, that's not. That's not how you win in fantasy football, especially with in a best ball league. I mean, no, oh man, in a best ball win. league, that that these these they can get spike weeks out of Hardman too. So all we really need is two weeks from I just, round twenty. Uh, really, Calvin Austin is really what he really is. Is a guy that I'm going to be first to pick up on waivers if so, he flashes. That's really what this is. He's not a guy I'm actively drafting too much of. Best ball round 20. We need about two spike weeks from these guys. Do you think you're going to get the two spike weeks from Calvin Austin? I know I'm going to get him from McCall Hardman. He got the he had more than two last year. I know it's a different offense, but he only played roughly half the season last year. Weeks one through nine, and then didn't come back until playoffs. And he saw week seven and week nine where he was a top 10 wide receiver in the league right calvin austin wasn't drafted in this draft no he doesn't go drafted very often but he when he does it's around 20 right that's what i'm saying it's 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 more of a prayer bet uh, just based on the fact that again it's not even the receivers only it's also that they have Najee harris who can catch passes and they have Fryermuth. It, it's not good and they just added another tight end who can catch passes in darnell washington so it's not great like it's not a great situation. It's terrible, but it's just, I just can't. I just can't say in any context, I like Miko Hardman over Calvin Austin. I just I have a hard time doing that. I think I would, though. I think I guess. God damn it, Billy. <laughs> God, man, you're bullying me all around. Only in best ball, right? And say no yeah. in all formats. I mean, just in case. I mean, just in case that he uh, somehow, I don't know. I don't know. Somehow, oh, somehow has just two catches because Calvin Austin couldn't even get a catch last year. You can't. Austin is so fringy. He's too fringy to draft right now in a 20 round draft. That's the lesson here. The lesson here is you can love a guy, especially in Dynasty, would so much rather have Calvin Austin. But in seasonal leagues, in any format, it doesn't make any sense. He's going to get dropped. If it's a if it's a it's seasonal league, a, a traditional league, and if it's best ball, you're better off getting the guy you know is actually going to be on the field. Who yeah, has that's the, that's what it breaks down to me. Than the guy yeah. that you don't. So damn it, Billy, got yeah. me. We got to get him on the field. We have a listener question in here that I want to answer before we wrap things up. 
Um, we will have Scott Fishbowl rankings out soon. They'll be actually out probably Monday. They're already completed. The projections are done. Everything is in the system. We're going to get them activated here early next week. So look out for them tomorrow. That's Monday. Uh, we should have them up on the site, and we can start getting prepared for our Scott Fishbowl drafts. You you ready for Scott Fishbowl? You see all the changes this year? No. There's I've no. In, I've been in Barcelona. There's no negative points in Scott Fishbowl this year. Ooh. And every rushing attempt is a quarter point. Good. Including Good. quarterbacks. I like that. Why yeah. not? It's uh, scoring is going to be crazy. It's going to be it's going to be madness. Honestly, it's going to be. I I of course didn't read all the full rules before I picked my draft slot, and now I'm really regretting having pick 101 because I was you, thinking you can pick your draft slot. Yeah, you you pick your draft spot when you when you select your 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 spot on on the site, and so I went through and picked pick 101, thinking I was going to lock in Mahomes because the incompletions we were getting negative points for, interceptions were just huge negative points. And then, of course, I found out there's no negative points and we get a half or a quarter point for carry. And now I'm really regretting my decision to go pick one on one. I've got to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really brings the question up now, like someone like Lamar Jackson, someone like Jalen Hurts, even even Josh Allen now has the potential to be one on one in this draft over Patrick Mahomes because of the quarter point for rushing attempt. So it changes the landscape drastically. No, well, if you pick no- a one on one. You can just get Hurts. You can get hurts. That's what I think I'm leaning right now. Is Just hurts. go hurts. Hey, hey, Billy, yeah. pro tip, draft hurts. Turn your <laughs> microphone down. <laughs> hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content, is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show. I skipped around. Gosh darn it. What happened? Dude, we you're for- a mess today. What's, I'm a what's mess going today. On with you? I played golf this morning. I, I was in the sun all day. You gotta give me a break here. I love the fact that we got the line Big Cock Brock, and then you got the word busted in the same like paragraph here. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the thing I hate doing. You're I'm gonna do it. the thing I hate. You're oh, it. I'm gonna hate myself. I like Paris Campbell in basketball because oh, he, you did it. He's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be on the field, the best and, ball cop out, and the, and the, and and he, and he has the long speed for the spike weeks. The best <laughs> ball cop out. I prefer Campbell in basketball. <laughs>